This is Scott McNamara with What's New in Adaptive Physical Education, and this is a part two episode of the NICPAD uh, interview with Dr. Jim Rimmer and Alex Martinez, the inclusion specialist from NICPAD. And as you remember, NICPAD is a national organization funded through the CDC that works with building inclusive, healthy communities and is a big part of our APE community. So we're going to get started right where we left off, talking to Dr. Jim Rimmer and Alex Martinez about all of their uh, different ventures and about NICPAD and the research that's going on and how we can use the resources with NICPAD as well. So let's start off. The first question I have uh, for this episode is somewhat a philosophical question. Can a person with a disability be healthy? Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's true of our mantra, right? You know, a lot of people, who don't have disabilities are unhealthy, and a lot of people who do have disabilities are very healthy. So health is on a continuum, and anybody can meet or exceed, you know, the national expectations of what one would be considered healthy. Uh, so we see many people with spinal cord injuries who are extremely healthy. Um, you know, they eat well, they watch their weight, they make they check their skin regularly. To, prevent pressure ulcers, you know, they uh, have good urinary uh, bladder maintenance, good seating and positioning skills. You know, it's a little more challenging for some people, but uh, you could be very, very healthy and have a disability or vice versa. Yeah, and I think that's a perception that, that we need to change. Uh, a lot of people assume because somebody has a, a, a disability or visible disability that they are not healthy. I think that all... We focus on the uh, model of we just we need to fix the society and the environment where people live so they can get out, get out there and be healthy. Uh, we don't need to treat the person. We need to treat the environment so they can be get out there in the community. So, so definitely a good question and, and absolutely yes, people can be healthy with disabilities. Do you think that there's uh, less emphasis on health and exercise for people with disabilities compared to their typically developing peers? Well, I think, yeah, that's a problem where seeing that in NICPAD, there, there's a lot more funding opportunities, right? Because everything is driven by research. If you're an exercise physiologist, there's a lot of funding at NIH to look at prevention of chronic diseases, prevention of cardiovascular disease, prevention of cancer, prevention of type 2 diabetes. When you get into the culture of disability, it's very hard to compete, you know, against some of these world-renowned scholars from Harvard or John Hop Johns Hopkins or... Uh, University of Texas. So we see a lot less resources. But we believe that we don't need to reinvent the wheel. That what we need to do is adapt the wheel, right? And adapt the wheel means take the best practice programs out there and just adapt them for people with disabilities, do it systematically, and then maybe get a smaller grant, you know, from a local foundation or even from a federal agency. So I've been pushing this very hard, Scott, because I do believe that NIH has now become very interested in adaptive physical activity. You know, we've got plenty of evidence-based programs out there, but nobody's using them, right? So we've got to get people with disabilities not separate, but equal, right? And we've heard that term during the civil rights. We need inclusive 
programs. And that doesn't mean we don't need programs where an athlete can train with other athletes with disabilities. We're not saying that. Nick Pitt believes you need both. But right now, where we see the big gap is what Alex mentioned. It's the environment. It's not the individual. We've got to change the environment. If we default the environment to be healthy and to provide options, then people with disabilities will have an equivalent level of opportunities as the rest of the, of the community. Wonderful. That's uh, something I think we all need to reflect on and, and how we can better do that. All right. So let's just uh, quickly transition. Tell us a little bit more about this grades and about this adaptations curriculum evaluation system you've created. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, again, you know, what, what breaks my heart is when I see so many universities around the country, Research One universities, actually remove, you know, take positions away from adaptive physical activity and give it to exercise science, you know, it's because they're trying to get excess, you know, they're trying to bring federal funding in, right? And here we are, we're sitting on a field which has now been created called implementation science. What is implementation science? It's the ability to adapt programs in real-world settings, right? And along with that, the medical world has figured this out, and now they've got something called precision medicine. And what is precision medicine? It's you take all of the elements of a person's genotype, right? We've got now the DNA mapped out. You take DNA, you take their behavior, you take their environment, you take their physiology, and you put it into a big data system, and you come out with more precise prescriptions, medical prescriptions or treatments for people who have various chronic diseases. So the model is laid out now for adaptive physical activity because, as Alex said, two children with autism in two different settings could have very different results with the same adaptations, right? But what the grades does is it allows you to keep adding adaptations or to take out different adaptations in these five domains of the built environment, equipment, the um, services, the instruction, and also the overarching policy so that you've got a systematic way of doing this. And I just want to mention to your audience that research can be done. You know, somebody might look at this and say, well, I'm just an adaptive PE teacher. Well, no, you are a researcher. Research just means that you're trying to advance science in some systematic way. There are case study journals now where you can do a, you can publish a paper on one participant with autism. So we need your audience to understand that Alex is waiting to hear from you. He's waiting to see what kind of adaptations to have. He's looking in his archive of adaptations to see if those exist. And if somebody's doing something that's really successful, he's going to archive that by their name and by the person that they work with. You don't have to identify who he is, but he's going to say it's a child with autism, 10 years of age. That's how you build the adaptive physical activity science so it's not subsumed by another group of implementation scientists using what we call adaptations, right? We should be getting more of the NIH funding because we know how to adapt it. Unfortunately, we didn't build a science under it. Now we have the science. We need people to come to Nick Penn, to speak with Alex, to understand what he means by this term adaptation science, and then he can work with them on developing the infrastructure for them to be able to test it in their own community. Phenomenal and probably kind of a little mind-blowing. <laughs> uh, that's I, You got so much content knowledge. I want to ask you a little bit more about some of this stuff. Like, So the grade system that you were talking about as well. Can you give me some examples of like what what those grade systems kind of tell us? 
turn over to Alex for a couple of examples, maybe with Girls on the Run. But there are five domains that we've identified with this $2 million grant. Built environment, equipment, the services. It could be an assistant, a human being, somebody needing assistance. The instruction, right? The instruction either the teacher needs on the training or the instruction the child needs or the instruction the parent needs. So with those four domains and then the overarching policy, right, of well, what's the policy now for working with this particular child, you've now got the DNA. You've got the DNA of adaptation science. We spent five years making sure that there aren't any other domains out there that we may miss. Now, are there, are there subdomains under, under equipment or science or services? Yeah, there probably are. But that's where we need to hear from the community. So Alex could give you a few you know, examples with Girls on the Run, the built environment, the equipment. Yeah, so um, so for example, with Girls on the Run, um, one of the adaptations that we can do, uh, we're looking at some of these different types of domains in the environment, is just making sure that uh, the areas where, where um, the curriculum is actually practiced are inclusive and accessible. Make sure there's a bathroom, make sure the paths are safe, uh, make sure that the teachers have actually knowledge of, um, of physical disabilities uh, so they can connect with the students and with the participants. So uh, that's just one of the sample of maybe the environment. Uh, not only the environment in the, in the classroom, also the environment outside. Can they really come to your program? Um, do they have uh, a way, is there a bus, is there a route to stop uh, in your area that they can come and participate? So it takes a look at different types of domains like environment, um, and uh, instruction, you know, how to really um, get those instructions so everybody listens. You know, it might be, it might not just be verbal. You know, I might have to have uh, instruction posted on a board. Uh, I might have to come up with a video and so I can show the instruction. I might need somebody to demo that instruction, that skill set that I want them to do. Uh, so taking all of those things into consideration and then putting them on on a resource so people can use it. I think there's some kind of examples of, of what the grades uh, allowed us to do with that framework. Well, and, and I'll just add one more to that, Scott. You know, we had Laura Lieberman, who's one of the world-renowned adapted physical activity professionals, and she's on our advisory council. And so, Lauren, you know, I was in Israel for the uh, International uh, Symposium on Adapted Physical Activity, and Laura and I were sitting around eating, and she said, oh, I love your, you know, your videos. You know, you have this one, you know, just, just great. She says, I, however, I have to make one uh, suggestion. You know, on the video where you have the teacher, there's a child and they're not participating because they're not successful and they're out in the field, and you have the teacher come over to ask Mary why she's not participating. You know, she's all by herself. Why don't you make the other option appear going up to Mary? Because I feel, you know, as an expert in adaptive physical activity, it would be better for a peer to teach Mary. Because maybe what Mary wants is not the teacher coming up, because now she's singled out and isolated. Oh, well, look at the teacher talking to me. It's another child. How simple. So these adaptations are out there. These are We do this as experts in adaptive physical activity, but never do we think about there are other people out there that are doing it differently that may actually be better. So some people can say the teacher's better because, you know, top-down approach, this is a good... Other people say, no, it should be a peer. We want all of these adaptations because there's not one adaptation in the world that's going to work with everybody. And so what we're developing with grades is what we call macro adaptations. These are the macro. These are, these are the core adaptations that every adaptive physical education professional in the world should know. But subsumed under that are what we call micro adaptations. And the micro 
are getting closer to the individual DNA. Because there's no two individuals in the world that are alike. And when you get into the heterogeneity of any disability, it's even further apart. So that's, that's why we need all adaptive physical education professionals in MIPPEF to share with us the micro-adaptations that Alex needs to build his compendium yeah. of adaptation. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned Lauren. Uh, we are actually, um, we partnered with Lauren and then she explained there was a need uh, for more videos and information on universal uh, design learning, UDL. Um, so we are going to come up with the video that is going to show adaptations for that specific uh, um, term or framework of, of teaching. And uh, so it was a great partnership because she came with scenarios and uh, different adaptations that now, like Dr. River said, I'm going to be able to clear my bank so I can use it and people are going to be able to see them on the video. So then as well, she's going to be able to disseminate that information with her students and also in their uh, conference that she attends to speak. So um, I'm glad you mentioned. And we've got the best, we've got the best instructors and leaders in the world, in people like Lauren Lieberman uh, and Monica Lepore. I mean, these are people who are, they're, they're really the best kept, kept secret among scientists. So you've got this whole field of, of implementation science, and they struggle with trying to figure out how to adapt things, you know? And I laugh, because I go to these meetings, oh, well, we're trying to adapt this chemotherapy for patient A, but we don't know quite how to get to patient B. And, you know, we're coming up with this implementation strategy, and here we are, you know, sitting on a treasure trove of how to adapt anything to anybody in the world. So you see, Scott, this has to be a message to get out to our community of people, our community of practice, which is we have the talent now. And people like Alex, he could take that and build it into a framework and a science and give it back to them or anybody else. I, th I think what you're saying is so true. And I, I find, you know, I know Lauren, I know Monica, and I know so many other people. And in our field, and especially the experts in our field, but just all, you know, the professionals in our field, I feel like are we're so busy. Because there's such a need for what we do that we then have this really hard time of communicating sometimes and kind of finding out what other people are doing and such. I think, you know, even what you're trying to do right now and you're trying to give this easy to use resource to everyone. And I want to see I'm trying to sit back from a APE teacher who's an itinerant teacher who's super busy and is this, and it sounds, you know, is this stuff, if I see it, is it going to be super user-friendly? Can I take from it right away? Is this information readily available, and is it going to be very easy for them to use? Yeah, I would say we have subcontracted with the University of Illinois, Chicago. There's an outstanding uh, colleague of ours there that has actually developed something called the Community Health Inclusion Index, the CHEAT, which is another very good instrument that all students should know. But uh, Johai Eisenberg is helping us build the website so that the grades and all of the assessment tools, you know, the CHI, all of the different areas of the assessment tool will be matched up and linked to each other. Now, this takes a lot of work, Scott, because as you know, with, you know, anything with coding, you have to have A, expertise, and B, you have to have a lot of time to code because a lot of times you have to make these self-corrected items so they line up. But... Um, my understanding is this is going to be done fairly soon. Yeah, and um, uh, many, many times we have, with our bigger pieces, we have implementation manuals uh, that you can access, and it will tell you step-by-step step step how to implement that resource. So um, 
I know that um, one of the, our advocacy campaigns that we did is called uh, uh, Commit to Inclusion, and that became a, more than a national campaign, international campaign, where different organizations can go into, pledge uh, for inclusion on their programs, and with that, they get these nine guidelines of inclusion. They also get an implementation manual, so it tells them how to take these guidelines and put them into practice. So uh, that's another step that, that, that we try like to do, just to not only give out the resources, to tell people how to do it. And if at some point there's some questions, they can always reach out, reach out back to us, and we can give them the technical training they need in order to be successful uh, when pres prescribing these uh, resources and programs. So, so look for something, you know, maybe another time we can talk about this, but look for something that's going to be automated. We also have something called the iChip, which is the Inclusive Community Health Implementation Package, which includes leadership, training and technical assistance, assessment, health, health communication, policy. You know, these are going to be packaged under Alex's uh, area, under education, and it's all going to be automated. So somebody can get in and say, man, you know, I would love in this school district to have a policy that prevents discrimination against children with disabilities. Or I would love to have a policy that prevents children with disabilities from receiving physical therapy as a replacement for adapted, which we know is illegal, right? You cannot replace PT. You can't replace physical education with PT. Yet this is still going on today, 40 years after the passage of the, of the federal law. So... Alex is, you know, I think what the world needs to know is they've got a friend in Alex Martinez, right? And that they need to challenge him and say, you know what? Uh, your website is great. I love your micro newsletter, but I think you're missing something. I, I think right. we want to hear criticism as much as we want to hear, you know, things that are, are really good. And every time he gets a response, he's going to mock that down. So that he has evidence when people call up or contact us like you do and say, what's your most popular tool? He's going to be able to go into the archive in about 30 seconds and say, you know what? I can tell you what happened last month, and I can tell you what happened three years ago. So everything he does now is, is, is collecting a bit of evidence that he can use to share with the rest of the world. Because this is not only a national center, this is an international center. What do you think Nick Pad's done for the community of APA in the last 20 years it's been around, how do you feel like it's influenced our world? Well, I can tell you that I, I think we haven't done a good enough job. I, I, I would like to see in the remaining years of my career where Alex is going to all of the national consortium meetings for physical education for individuals with disabilities. You know, I would like to see Alex, you know, represent the adaptive physical activity profession in any way that you feel or any of your listeners feel would be great. I would like to see the word adaptive physical activity science be included in this iChip so that all people become researchers. It's not a, it's not a difficult thing to do. Uh, so it's a great question that I think we're, we're thinking about now in our center. And I, I also want to say that, you know, at, in, in, in two to three years, what you're going to see in Nick Penn is it might even be a title change. It might not be called Nick Pitt. It could be called the Center on Adapted Physical Activity, Nutrition, and Health Promotion. It could be the National Translation Center. But what we have learned in Nick Pitt is we don't need to create new evidence. There's evidence out there already. All we need to do is adapt it, and we need to do it systematically so we can prove to people that the way we did it had a scientific framework. That's what this center is all about.
What do you see NICPAD? How has it kind of helped the, the field of APA? Sure. Um, so when I first got into uh, to NICPAD, um, a little time to get completely into what what, what was that NICPAD was doing. Uh, and I remember we used to try to get partnerships and we used to call people, uh, hey, would you like to do this? Would you like to do that? And uh, throughout the time that I've been here, uh, now people are reaching out to us uh, asking about help to, to, you know, to come up with adaptations to improve resources of just to apply a component of disability to a resource that is already existing. So I, I think that um, the more we focus, the more we make connections with people, they're going to know that the center is here and they're also going to know what we do. So I'm, I'm looking forward for every PE teacher, you know, in the country to be able to reach out to Nick Bad and say, this is what I need. Can you help me out? And I think that uh, through different things that we're, we're using, like podcasts we're using for the first time, you know, we are going to be able to keep sending that message that we are here to provide support for you. Our main goal is just to get students included in physical activity so they can be healthy. So um, so I think we've, we've done that and it keeps progressing. And, and uh, it's kind of it's kind of a, a, like, a, like a dream to know I came and, uh, and now three years later I'm able to, to you know, to partner with people, to connect with people, um, work in the local community, creating strategies for physical including, uh, activity and inclusion, uh, sitting on a council for uh, adaptive physical education on the local uh, teachers organization here. So uh, so I think we've, uh, we've done a great service to, to the teachers um, by helping them to get their classes to be inclusive and include every kid in it. So I don't want to take any more of your time uh, unless you have other things you want to share. Well, I would say I would like to uh, promote my uh, newsletter that is coming every quarter. So we just released a, the April quarter newsletter. So in uh, three more months, make sure you look out for that. Uh, I would tell every teacher that receives this newsletter to please send it out to their connections, you know, and also give me feedback. Some of the things that, that we need to add in that newsletter, I think that would be uh, a great opportunity to kind of highlight what all the people are doing right, uh, not not only what I think is right, just what all the people are doing right, what is working. I would like to be able to highlight that on the newsletter. So uh, the more I can get that letter out to people and the more feedback I can get, it's going to make it better. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, it's been a great year. It's starting to wrap up. I have my dissertation defense in just a few, a little bit less than a month away, which is just incredible. So I might be slowing down a little bit on the episodes for a little while. I have one in the works where we're going to talk about a, um, a teacher from Seattle area trying to get the AP endorsement in her state and what that process looks like, why we need it, and I'm really excited about that. So that will be a fun episode going on there. With that, enjoy your summer and let me know if there's anything we can do here, what's new in Adaptive Physical Education podcast to help you, and if you have any topics. All right, take care.